Hello, I'm Marcelo, the Grumpy Geek, and this is Teka, my clumsy assistant. Together, we will share knowledge in a very different way. Do you know that idea that is not yet clear in your mind? Well, it will soon shine. So, welcome aboard. You were right in the middle. Hey Taka, check out this coupon I've received. It's valid until January 22nd of 52,506. Oh, conditions apply, of course. Yeah, Taka, this will probably expire before that old app spins up if we haven't migrated on time. Damn those Java apps that take forever to bootstrap. But let's be honest, Java wasn't created for the cloud because, well, there was no cloud at that time. Also, during the years of its existence, Java wasn't evolving that much, so we we're missing a lot of cool features like generics, a usable date and time API, and Lambda expressions. Then other languages started to attract Java developers. Yeah, we tried other languages as well. Actually, we're currently using more than five different languages here, but you know, I'm an old Java guy and even if the language lacking some features, I still like it. Correct, Tekka. We have generics since Java 5, although they didn't implement type erasures, so we can't know which kind of objects our collections are handling. We now have a decent date and time API and a very okay Lambda implementation. And still people seem to be fleeing to other languages. But you know, Tekka, the Java virtual machine is probably the best runtime out there. Tons of money were spent to bring awesome features like garbage collectors and just-in-time compilation. Basically, the Java garbage collectors work by marking used objects and removing the ones that are not in used. Also, the garbage collectors need to stop the whole program execution for some task to be done. Can you imagine, Teka, the huge effort that takes for designing a garbage collector that doesn't stop your program for more than one second? Designing a garbage collector is really something to be very proud of. Oh, all right, uh, just-in-time compilation. It is a feature that observes the program execution to find hot paths on the code, places that are very often executed. Then the just-in-time compiler compiles that hot path into a native code so it can run faster. The just-in-time compiler is a decisive component when it comes to performance. Some optimizations can even make a Java program run as fast as a C++ program. <laughs> yeah, of course, Tega. A very skillful C++ developer can do black magic, but those guys are not easy to find and they are expensive to hire. Also, I don't want to maintain a web API in C++. Our business is not for C++. So having the just-in-time compiler and the garbage collector to do this heavy work for free, it's a welcome addition. 
So what could be wrong about using Java for cloud apps? Well, it'll be a pleasure to answer that. After some RAM, of course. the days of classic workload, applications were mainly built to serve internal users and the number of devices connected to the internet wasn't that expressive. I remember to see my friends being surprised because I was online almost every time after I bought my first Android device in 2010. At that time, mobile internet was responsible for only 3.81% of the total web traffic, according to the stat counter. In 2014, that number raised to about 25%, and in 2015, Google announced a change on its page rank algorithm to promote responsive web pages. The online world was changing, Taka. When the market perceived the massive adoption of smartphones, the need to support mobile device became a must-have. APIs started to gain visibility as the perfect backend for the new workload, culminating in a new approach called API First. With APIs, both web apps and mobile apps could use the same backend while changing only the UI. However, exposing a resilient API is not an easy task, as the load might be hard to predict. So, in order to balance resource usage and still be prepared for massive load periods, scaling fast is mandatory. On the other side, bootstrap and footprint are the number one enemies of rapid scalability. Being careless about them is like going number two. Lightning talks are so exciting, Tekka. You have just a couple of minutes to sell an idea to a mixed audience. The PyCon US 2013 hosts some lightning talks, but nothing like the one that happened on the first day of the main conference, March 15th. Solomon Hayek had five minutes in a very ambitious title, The Future of Linux Containers. Solomon introduced to the world a container technology that could make LXC containers something that even I could use. What the world saw that day, Tekka, was a tool doing a lot of under-the-hood work. Docker was the perfect tool for dealing with containers, and the containers became the perfect tool for scaling fast. If your runtime allows that. Java Virtual Machine was introduced in 1994, the computer's Mesozoic era, when the cloud was just something in the sky, containers were just something handled by cargo ships, and JavaScript only had 42,000 frameworks and wasn't yet born. Over the years, the Java ecosystem got big runtime improvements, great frameworks, competitive vendors, but end up being too resource-hungry for a healthy container diet. So how can we tackle that issue and make Java a feasible choice for the future of Linux containers? Java was designed to be multi-platform and dynamic, the opposite of what is best for running a container in the cloud. Containers are Linux, being multi-platform doesn't matter. 
Containers must also be immutable, so being dynamic doesn't matter either. The things that made Java top platform for classic workloads were preventing it to be a top one for cloud workloads. It was time to do some refactoring. The ability of loading classes dynamically doesn't seem to be a great deal, since containers should be immutable. The new scenario was more static, the perfect opportunity to take advantage of ahead-of-time compilation. Ahead-of-time compilation analyzed the code to do optimizations in compile time. Since the application's behavior would be the same, remember, no dynamic stuff happening now, there is no need for all of the metadata discovery happening in runtime, reducing both bootstrap time and memory usage. Of course, that requires more resources to build the code. And what about the target platform? Basically, every container will be deployed on Linux host, so having a compiler to generate native binaries instead of a jar file that requires a JVM to run seems a better choice. At a price, of course. GraalVM was designed to address those needs. It creates a native executable of a Java program that performs orders of magnitude higher than its traditional version, if you're willing to pay the price. So what's the price? Well, the price list includes some tricks like reflection and static initializers that have little to no support, which requires new implementations for common frameworks or even new alternatives to solve old problems. Developers should learn not only how to deal with those problems, but also how to rewrite implementations in order to use GraalVM at its maximum. With a new development toolset that does the heavy lifting of dealing with GraalVM, it'll be possible to create a productive stack for cloud-native applications, like what Docker was for LXC containers in the beginning. Yeah, Tekka, now we have Quarkus. Quarkus is a Kubernetes-native Java stack that makes Java worth to be used in the cloud. I would say Quarkus is the future of cloud-native Java apps. Quarkus supports hot reload and provides support for widely used frameworks such as Hibernate, Vertex, Kafka, Camel, targeting the JVM so you can produce a fast jar file instead of a native binary. It supports the awesome Kotlin language. And of course, it's open source. Tekka, we migrated one API to Quarkus. Quarkus not only supports but encourages us to use microprofile. We have a business to run, so the best we can do is to use industry standards. It took us around a month to migrate the code, and I can still remember my happy face while I was doing it. In the end, we had the good and old jar file ready to be shipped in a container. <laughs> yeah, Tega, a jar file. Well, remember when I told you about the cost of some features? Having a native executable file is great, but the kind of workload that fits better this approach is this short-running process. Our API is a long-running process, so we have better throughput targeting the JVM instead of the GraalVM. Of course, Quarkus can do ahead-of-time optimizations while targeting the JVM. We only lose the static init phase. <laughs> oh, sorry, another geek answer. Well, a Quarkus application has three distinct phases. Augmentation, static init, and runtime init. The augmentation phase occurs in the build time. Quarkus will scan all the bytecode, and that includes the dependencies as well, to collect metadata that can be used to produce bootstrap bytecode to speed up application startup. So instead of the libraries doing that to dynamically set the behavior, 
Concrete's extensions will set the behavior in compile time. The static init phase is very interesting, but only works in native mode. Quarkles will execute some actions in the static init method. The trick is, the result of the actions will be serialized into the native executable, so your application will have the result immediately. Remember, containers are immutable, so let's take advantage of that. Oh, and if you're using the JVM mode like I was doing, then Quarkles will execute the static init phase at the application start, which is pretty much the same as the third phase. So last, and actually least, in the context of optimization, of course, is the runtime init, which is basically the normal code execution. Nothing new here, so we need to use the augmentation and static init phase to make our application run faster. And always remember that containers are immutable, so a lot of optimizations are now possible because of that. Well, a good example is the dependency injection. There is a lot of computation to resolve the dependencies and things become even more crazy if you add dynamic behavior on that. Since containers are immutable, <laughs> yeah, why not compute all the dependencies in compile time and have the dependency injection set up beforehand? Well, that's how Quarkus does. Another example is the Quarkus template engine, Qt. It generates some value resolvers based on the classes we had for template processing so we can avoid reflection calls. After finishing the migration tagger, we had an idea of testing the API using some fake data. Then we started to look for some open source projects around, and we actually found a couple. But the whole idea of having a native executable led us to create our own fake data generator tailored for GraalVM using Quarkles, of course. Yeah, I know, Tekka. We should have probably used a major open source project. But the whole idea of experimenting with Quarkles and GraalVM made us so excited that we couldn't miss this opportunity. Moreover, the project was perfect for using native compilation. It's a short-lived process that needs to run fast because we're also testing the API's response time. Exactly, Tekka. This is a key component of our pipeline now. We have different kinds of payloads for a variety of scenarios. If all scenarios pass, then the response time will be checked to see if it's according to our expectations. If not, then the pipeline will fail. It's a nice way to prove that we are wrong. Quarkus was so easy to work that we code the MVP in two days. After one month, we had all the features we wanted and now we're even extracting a small core library. The knowledge we have acquired during the process, plus all the fun we had, made this worth a lot. You know, Taka, there was a time when I had to choose between creating applications fast or creating fast applications. Now I want to create fast applications fast.